0: Well, as we celebrate uh, Easter weekend today, I want to say welcome to River Valley Church. And I want to let you know that we are a multi site church with eight locations that are all linked together. And uh, soon we will have a ninth campus. I just want to let you know that we'll be starting a St. Paul campus. So we will have nine locations. Yep. And uh, that's exciting. And then uh, I just want to let you know that today this will be a full church experience. You're going to have uh, a message coming from me. There's going to be a video in the middle of the message and then we're going to hand it off to the pastor at your campus and so it's just going to be a full church experience with this message. And uh, I want to say this, first of all, thank you to everyone that's watching on live stream. You may not realize this, but we are live streaming this message around the world and we have people watching this message in the military. We have missionaries. We have people that are far away from home and I just want us to uh, say, hello to everyone on the live stream and can we welcome them and say hey thanks for tuning in can we just hand clap and say thank you yes I want to say this too, if you're new to River Valley Church and you're visiting with us today, uh, we would love to be your church home. We're delighted that you're here. Um, We were expecting you, we were praying for you, and we will make room for you at one of our campuses. And uh, as the church continues to grow, we'll start more campuses. Welcome home. We'd love to have you as part of this church. Now, today you're here with us and you're celebrating with with us uh, Easter. You're celebrating the the greatest story ever told, the, the greatest event that happened in all of history The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and I love this, that the whole world stops and they pause and they remember this and they're focused on it. And I'm glad we are too today. Um, And I'm praying that today is more than just a celebration. I'm praying that this is a moment where you'll experience the presence of God. I'm praying that. I'm praying that you'll experience the presence of God. You'll know what is happening as a story, but it'll be more than a story. You'll understand the power of Jesus Christ. The Bible calls it the power of the resurrection. And I want you to know this, that at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and experience the power of God. So, uh, many of us are familiar we 're really familiar with the events that we 're celebrating today we 're celebrating really this whole weekend we 're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the price for our sins, and then we 're also uh, celebrating what happened three days later, that he rose from the dead and we 're celebrating this amazing, amazing life changing story and uh, it 's a beautiful thing now i 'm going to touch base on what happened on the cross, but today I really want to focus on what happened uh, with the empty tomb, the fact that he rose from the dead but that has context that we have to back up with and just make sure that we fully understand it because I thank God for the cross because my, my sins were paid for on the cross, but there's power in the resurrection. There's power in what happened on the third day. So uh, the Bible says this, it says, um, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, That's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that you know the power of the resurrection, but the power of the resurrection really goes back to the penalty on the cross. See, here's the thing. The cross in a world full of evil, in a world full of Uh, wrong and in the world full of sin and the Bible calls uh, what we do wrong sin and I just want to make sure everybody's clear on this sin is when we fail to live up to what God intended and designed it's when we fall short of what his glory demands the goodness demands I mean you know what they are anger lust lies and we all do wrong and the list goes on and on and on and it doesn't take long for us to figure out that everybody sins Everybody sins, even, you know, as a parent, how many know that you find out early that your children know how to sin, okay? And, and you just, it just happens. It just comes naturally. And, and if I could just have a moment of confession for you, um, even in my own life, I mean, just as a little boy, I'm going to date myself here. Um, I was at the checkout, you know, with my mom. I was a little kid, I don't know, four years old or whatever, and three years old, whatever. And there was bazooka gum. How many want to date yourself and say you remember bazooka gum? okay. There was bazooka gum there, and, and, and I remember seeing it, I asked if I could have some, and my mom said no, and, and this little thief went and took a piece of bazooka gum. I put it in my pocket and just slipped right out of Target, stealing from Target at four years old, walked out to the car, I, I was in the back seat, I thought I was hiding from my mom, popped it in my mouth, little did I know she could see me chewing gum, Brought me right back into Target, brought me up to the manager, and ended my career as a thief that very day, okay? (laughs) But it happens. It starts early, and here's what happens. It starts early, and then how many know that the list expands? It expands, and it gets darker. It stains us, Small things turn to big things, hate, envy, deceit, lust, on and on. And so when we think about what happens on the cross, the fact that the Bible tells us that our, our sins were placed on Jesus, the fact that somebody had to die for our sins because the Bible takes sin very seriously. And the Bible says this in Romans six twenty three. it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So sin deserves a penalty, and so the cross makes sense in a way, the fact that somebody had to pay this price. I mean, because sin is so bad, and the Bible narrative just over and over says, Don't make light of sin. Sin separates us from God. And so someone has to pay the bill. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to pay that bill. If it says the wages of sin is death, I don't want to pay that bill. I, I mean, nobody really wants to. And so Jesus steps in in our place, pays the price for our sin, takes that. And so, in a world that lives in, in, in all this sin, it just it kind of makes sense that somebody paid the price and that Jesus did that. And I thank God for the cross. I thank God what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, for God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. And so thank God for the cross. He died for us. He paid the price for us. And every time um, I think we, we see a cross, I think we should just breathe up a little prayer Uh, And just say thank God for the cross I mean we wear it as jewelry we see it around I mean you know but every time we see it I mean we have to say it out loud but I think we could just say under our breath thank God for the cross thank you Jesus for paying the price for our sins because somebody had to pay it and the Bible tells us you did and this does make sense to us so uh, with the cross we see that he paid the price for our sins but Then we move forward in the story that the Bible tells us and that history tells us that not only did Jesus die on the cross, but then he rose again from the dead. I mean, he rose again from the dead and our our, our payment was on the cross, but the power is in the empty grave. The power is the fact that he he said uh, that he was going to come back from the dead and he did. And so I want to look at that and celebrate this event because the Bible Uh, gives many accounts of this and history talks about this, uh, that Jesus rose from the dead. And I just want to read one of the many places where it talks about it because there were some ladies that were going to his tomb. Remember, Jesus has been crucified on the cross. They're going to his tomb and they're going to prepare his body for burial and they're getting ready to uh, do the, not embalming, but put some spices and some things. It was a way that they honored the dead in their culture. So they were getting ready to do that and they show up at his tomb. The stone has been rolled away he's not there and they see an angel and this is the account that mark gives us in mark 16 it says but the angel said to them don't be alarmed you're looking for jesus of nazareth who was crucified remember we just talked about that he has been raised he isn't here look here's the place where they laid him and so in that moment they realize jesus is no longer there jesus has risen from the dead everything changes in this moment and so I want us to look at this today. What does it mean? What, what does that mean to us? What, and really what happened when he rose from the dead? The tomb was empty. And what does that mean? Well, the first thing it means is Jesus can keep his promises. Jesus can keep his promises because while Jesus was on this earth he made all sorts of promises and really when you think about the biggest one that he was saying I'm going to prove this to you was the fact that he said I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life I'm going to rise again from the dead I mean you make that promise you better be sure that you can back up that promise And Jesus said that, Matthew 16, 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Okay, his promises were clear. His promises were clear. How many know, like, sometimes I read these things where people say, so-and-so predicted this, you know, a thousand years ago, and it's so vague. It's like, you know, grass will grow and then it will be take it away. And you're like, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? You know, Jesus didn't say like, I'm going to have goodness and then bad things. And it's like a flower. He was talking to guys. They, how many know guys, they needed to say like, I'm going to die and I'm coming back. Okay. Thank God his disciples were that dense. And he had to say it that strong. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to come back from the dead. And they're looking around going, who does that? Who, who does that? But they understood. it. matter of fact, his enemies even understood that. So it's one thing if your disciples know you promise you're going to die and come back from the dead. It's another thing when your enemies know that you made the promise and they're paying attention. Because in Matthew 27, 63, it was his enemies. They said, sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. Okay? So Jesus was very clear. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. I'm going to come back from the dead. This is going to happen. His disciples knew it and his enemies knew it. Okay? So Jesus was very clear. And if death could defeat him, then we knew this. He was not true to his promises. But death did not defeat him. He rose from the dead. And so that means that his promises are true. The Bible tells us in Acts 1-3, after his suffering, he, Jesus, presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them, his disciples, over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So when Jesus rose from the dead, it means this, he keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. Now, we struggle with keeping our promises, how many know the day gets away from us? We're like, I promise I'll be there. And the day gets away. How many know I, 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 I want to do this? We, we make the promise, but all of a sudden the money doesn't come in. We can't come through with the promise. How many know there's so much out of our control, but Jesus is like, you don't understand. Everything is in my control. Everything is in my control. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to come back again from the dead. No one's holding me down, and my promises are real. So he made promises more than just I'm going to die and come back from the dead. And you can believe them because his tomb is empty. He said this He said, So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. If there's something holding you down today, he says, If the sun sets you free, you're going to be free. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I'm it. I'm the one who's going to get you peace with God. I'm the one. You can bank on that. He said, there are many rooms in my Father's house. I wouldn't tell you that unless it was true. I'm going there to prepare a place for each of you. It's true. It's true. He's preparing a place for us in heaven. And one more. He said, he who comes to me, I will in no way throw out. He says, if you're coming to me, if you want to be forgiven, I'm not throwing you out. I'm welcoming you in. You can come to me and ask for forgiveness. He he kept his promise. His promises are true. If he rose from the dead, we know that his promises are true. Bank on it. Another thing that happened, we know that the sin problem was taken care of, and, and, and you think, well, that's kind of like what you just talked about. Not really, not really. Follow me on this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 17, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. Okay, remember, we've got the sin problem that has to be taken care of, and he's saying, if he's not, if he didn't come back from the dead, then your faith is crazy. And you're still in, in trouble with your sins. Okay, so sin is such a big deal. We want to be sure that everything we've done wrong is forgiven. Everything we've done wrong has been taken care of. And so we're wondering, like, how can I know that I know that I know that my sin is taken care of? I mean, could you imagine if Jesus didn't come from back from the dead, if the plan of God was just that Jesus would die and then not come back, People would say, well, he died and took care of it. Well, how do we know? Well, he died. I know, but how do we know? And so the disciples would have had to walk around and say, well, because I said so. How many know as a parent, because I said so doesn't work very long? I mean, it's not going to last. I mean, with, with our oldest, we have two boys, Connor and Logan, love those guys. And, and Connor, our oldest, was the first child obedient. You know, and whenever he had a question, he'd be like, why? And I'd be like, because dad said so. And he'd go, okay. And he'd go like, okay, dad said so. All right. Logan, our youngest. Okay. Logan, our youngest. I'd say, he'd say, why? And I'd say, because dad said so. And he'd go, yeah, well, I say not, you know? And I was like, wait a minute, you can't do that. Why don't you, get, get, get be like your brother, you know? And, and I thought, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to argue with it? You know, I might say, well, because I'm bigger. Well, what if he grows up to be bigger? You know, like, is that how, I mean, and then we're going to go into some stories. He's, like, He's bigger than you. He's, his truth prevails, you know? And so I had to learn to explain this, to have reason, to have something bigger than because I said so. And if I had to do that with my children, If you're gonna change your whole life on the message of Jesus Christ, thank God there was something bigger than because we said so. God's like, I'll prove this to you, watch this. There'll be an empty tomb that you can bank on, that you can count on, and it's bigger than because. I said so. Look at the empty tomb. He rose again from the dead. Look at the fact that he appeared to all these people. Paul says that he appeared to over 500 people. Look at the fact that historians said, this started to shake this rumor of Jesus coming back from the dead. And God saying, I have more in place for you. I have a clear understanding for you to grab more than just because I said so. Look at the tomb, it's empty. And know that your sins can be forgiven. Now, when, when this thought of having your sins forgiven, for so many people, is like, is that real? Could that be true? Is that really real? Could that be for me? You think, well, I don't know. I'm a bad person. I don't know if Jesus would forgive me. You know, Jesus had to answer that question while he was on earth. People were saying, I don't know, do sick people really need the help? And this is what Jesus said. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people do not need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. If you're here and you're saying, I know that I've done wrong, and I wonder if Jesus would want me. He, He had to deal with it then, and he's still dealing with it today. In just a moment, I'm gonna want your campus pastors to explain this to you a little clearer and just continue to build on what I've started. But before we do that, I want you to hear a story from Molly. Molly was in a same similar spot, wondering if God could forgive her, if she could actually step into this forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And God broke through in an amazing way and he showed her his love.
1: I was the biggest skeptic of church. I never felt like I was somebody who could change my life enough to be worthy of God's love. I felt like my sins, the things that I had done, separated me from God in a way that was not repairable. So I felt, in a way, unlovable. It's not like there was ever a moment that I didn't think God existed. I just sort of thought of him as like an angry, me needing to prove myself to be worthy of him type thing. I didn't feel like there was anything that I deserved more than unhealthy relationships. And also just being told over and over again that that was all I was worthy of. When my sister got saved, I was kind of freaked out. Well, I made a decision for myself in 2006 and Molly being my only sister, I wanted that for her and thought God's going to reveal himself to her right away and it took 10 years. I didn't see myself fitting in with a church. I didn't see myself checking the right boxes to be a part of a church. My sister invited me for years to different events, to church, to events, to sisterhood, to things like that. And I would sometimes go, but I wasn't gonna sing. I wasn't gonna raise my hands. I wasn't gonna take part. I was just sort of gonna be there. And I thought maybe that would appease her by, well, I came, like, hey, maybe she'll stop asking me. It wasn't until my niece Winnie was born that I started getting to know her and who she was even as a baby. And she didn't know my sins, she didn't care about my sins, but she loved me completely unconditionally. And I heard God saying to me, that's how I love you. That was really the moment that I said, this is for me. It's crazy how God used Winnie in such a big way to show Molly Jesus. Something changed in me when I said yes to Jesus. I never thought that I could be forgiven, but the life I get to live because of that salvation is beyond anything that I ever expected.